Peter, I feel kind of bad. Why? Uh, so I think about a year ago, Jake and I recorded an episode and actually never turned it in to be uploaded. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad, actually, uh, especially <laughs> since we had a guest on. I guess that we both really like. Yikes. Um, Jake's not. Well, he's not. I'm not going to say he's not part of the podcast, but like. I feel bad because we're inserting Jake's voice here in a season where you should be the co-host. But if you'll forgive me, I really want to make sure that this gets released. And so this podcast is called What's Good About Being a Man? And it does feature me and Jake. We should have released it in season two, I think. Um, and I totally screwed it up. So. All right. Sounds good. Let's listen to it. Let's do it. Jake and my name is Carl and you're listening to do you even lift bro men exercising social justice thank you so much for y'all tuning in uh, we deeply appreciate it today we're going to be talking about what's good about being a man in social justice uh, we're going to try to be the, bring some positivity in a fairly heavy process uh, like some of these podcasts it might be our sure. biggest challenge yet Jake. yeah for sure how are you Carl I'm, I'm all right I, I mean I got my morning coffee in and you know everyone likes to wake up and talk social justice in the morning so I'm here for that how about for you sure. um I also have my morning coffee but i think that's just because i'm really tired um but i'm down i was really excited to come in today yeah so i guess one of our pieces of feedback that we've gotten is this is a quotation from the folks that gave us the feedback is you guys only criticize men what would it be like to do a podcast about what's good about being men um this will be our attempt to do just that so what are your thoughts about this when you first hear it carl uh, I don't know. It's a lot of, I, I, I guess I would call it uneasiness, but there's a bunch of things that run through my brain real fast. How about you? Um, yeah, I don't know what to like pinpoint. Like, I think that's, I think it's a difficult question just because of how much I've tried to like break out of socialization as a man. So I think it's like hard to, I guess I do like being a man, but like, it's hard to, I guess, say specific features that don't gender same more sense. Like, I feel like if I were to be asked by someone on the street that was like talking to the old me five years ago, I'd be probably like confident, strong, okay. witty, funny, like all these just characteristics that are just, we know that men are socialized and stereotyped to have. And it just kind of puts you back in the man box. So for me, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I have all those anymore. And I also don't really want to have all those anymore. I always wonder... I know the intent from the person that gave this particular piece of feedback for our podcast was really good. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think it's important to ask, like, what is the intent in social justice spaces in particular? Like, we should start talking about positive things that men possess. I think there's always sort of this rush. I don't know if it's a rush, but uh, an instinct to try to protect men and their feelings to some degree. And so that's one of the primary feelings that come up for me when someone's like, you should talk about things that are good about being a dude. When I'm at this place where I think and know that there's power and socialization factors that basically color everything that we do and think, it's really difficult to be in such a high position of power from a social identity standpoint and think that there's positive good around it. You know what I mean? Like we can mm -hmm. say things like, it's really nice to not have to worry about walking alone at night and you can't say that without sounding really douchey yeah <laughs> because that shows a level of consciousness and then you're like sucks to be you you know like <laughs> <laughs> it's not cool 
I don't know. I think there's a lot to explore within the question itself in terms of where it comes from. And I'd want to know. I, I always imagine when, so Body Acceptance Week is coming up and whenever women are like out on the plaza saying we need to talk about body image stuff because it negatively impacts women. There's always dudes that jump in and like, I imagine them jumping into the frame and being like, but men have body image issues too. That's how I imagine this question being asked is like, mm-hmm. well, there's gotta be good stuff about being dudes. I don't know if we've said that it's a bad thing to be a man. Being man does not, we'd never said being man equals being bad. I don't think we've ever said yeah. that. We've said a lot of men suck. <laughs> behaviorally speaking yeah but we would never want to equate maleness with horribleness yeah and like i think we even you made a point in one of our earlier podcasts for season one and saying like not every dude is a bad dude and like we even are trying to just i think the purpose of this podcast is give some of the some dudes that don't know how to do this the tools to do it and to be better and so i think it's hard to say like what's good about being a dude because then you're just like but then that's like because that's fitting within like being complacent and being okay with like where you're at which is good for like probably five seconds but then if you're not doing anything with yourself <laughs> yeah. to be a better human, then why the hell are you on the earth? Yeah. That's where I'm at. I don't know. <laughs> I also, it also reminds me of like white people who are like, well, why can't I be proud to be white? And my response to that is, I mean, you can, but you can't be proud to be white and then ignore white supremacy and all the brutal, brutal things that you've done to black people and people of color and immigrants for the last 300 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, totally. You can be proud to be white, but that means you're kind of owning all of that racism and saying you're proud of it. Men very much in the same boat is like, I'm proud to be a man. Well, then what are you going to do about like the rampant rape and control of women over the past forever? And, you know, I just, it's a trick. I think it's not a tricky question, but we can't ask this question without thinking about uh, the power that's already laced within it. Yeah. And I think sometimes I think about doing this work in social justice when we talk about in some spaces, like about self-love. I think there's a difference between like loving yourself and then like being proud to be privileged. Right. I think it's important to love yourself because then you know you're doing some good for yourself and you're actually giving yourself grace. I think sometimes I get caught and and people think it's the same when they're like, I'm proud to be white. I love myself. Like, nope, those are two different (laughs) things. (laughs) You're trying, you're proud of being like a colonizer. It's fine. Um, but you're not, I don't know. It's just, hmm. Yeah. And I think like you can proud, you can be proud to be German. You know what I mean? You can be proud to be Irish. Like those are, that's a very different thing um so when i hear the question like what do you like about being a man or what are you proud of being a man i can hear my dad saying like thank god i was born a man because childbirth like i wouldn't be able to withstand that process i think those are entry points of like i mean yeah we have it good so then when i think about this question of what's good about being a man then we have to really think about like, can we answer this question, even though being a man is very much rooted in having and wielding power? I think it's just tricky to answer because of because we have so much power. But I guess like for my thinking is that it's OK to use that power for good. Yes. Like speaking out for things that you really believe in, whether that's social justice stuff, which will, it actually is just social justice stuff in my opinion. But, um, but like, I think it's important to be like, okay, in my head, it's like, oh, I'm a white dude. 
there are times when I need to speak up for others. And there's times where I need to step down and let people speak. And understanding that balance is really important. And I think that's a, I guess, a good skill to have as a man. I don't think it's necessarily what's good about being a man. Yeah, I agree. I think if we view it from this lens of power, then our potential to create positive change is pretty high. And I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the benefits, I guess, is a way that I would phrase it of being a man on this particular campus is that I feel like I make the greatest impact when I work with either a group of men or one-on-one with men. I have more inherent credibility when I'm speaking on matters of gender and interpersonal violence to other groups of men because of the systems that created interpersonal violence in the first place. And that's, you know, because then I start thinking about like, well, I mean, I have a lot of confidence in that, but is that because I'm a man or was I taught that confidence is okay to have as a man? If we say like something that's good about being men is that we're confident, that still means that in contrast, kind of sort of saying that women aren't. Right. And I think that's where I always bump up against this question of what's good about being a man is it sounds like we're possessing characteristics that shouldn't be gendered in the first place, mm-hmm. like confidence, like strength, like intelligence, like athleticism. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're not being positive about a positive question. I said it. <laughs> yeah. I said it. <laughs> I said it was our greatest challenge yet. Um, and so far, we're not doing a very good job. Yeah. Um, what's good? Let's keep going back to that. What's good? What's good about being a man? <laughs> like everything in social justice, everything is simultaneously really good and really bad, right? That's like, true. Yeah. Um, the inherent contradiction. Yeah. It is inherently contradictory question in these spaces. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a common, a fairly common reaction. Like if you come into this information and you're like, holy crap, men need to do better. Men need to do better. I think it's okay for men who haven't been exposed to the same information to suddenly be like, wait, why are you like dumping on men all of a sudden? You know, like what's good about being a man? I think it's a fairly common reaction. So giving tools to understand how to respond to it is important. But also like, I think it's an important question to develop and you brought it up already is the difference between self-love and saying and believing that you're inherently just a good person for being a man. It's different. And I don't know. Yeah. And I think like that, there's that different, I guess I wanted peace out or pull apart, yeah, pull apart or break down like self-love versus like being proud of just, I don't know, being a dude or being white dude. I don't know. <laughs> having that's a just where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> says dude, um, is that like, I think that self-love for me, like self-love is like educating myself and growing in the ways of social justice and the, th- and actually kind of deconstructing all these like Western thoughts that have been conditioned to have throughout my education and my life. And so I think that's a difference between like being like, Oh, I'm like, Ooh, I'm cool. Like a white dude. Yeah. Like there's so many people that are white and men. Uh, I'm one of them. Um, and I think it's just, there's this disconnect with that. Cause I think for me, when first engaging with this work, I don't think I was as defensive as I probably thought I would have been about like, oh, like men are bad. I'm like, hmm, that makes sense. I'm like, <laughs> or like privilege is a thing. Hmm, yeah, that, that does make sense. White people are harmful. I'm like, 
Hmm. I don't know. That might be a little, I might be getting a little defensive there, but I think it was also probably the way I was educated about it. Thanks, Monica. Um, (laughs) Shout out to Monica. Yeah, seriously. I think, yeah, there's that distinction between loving yourself and knowing that you need to get out of this ignorance and really love other people in ways that are important in ways that are really helpful for others or supportive for others. I'm trying to not say helpful as much because it's a savior complex. Um, (laughs) And then you just being complacent with yourself and thinking that self-love and then saying, oh, it's fine to be white. Yeah. I mean, you can't do much about being white. Like you can't change that, but you can change how you think about it. So yeah, I think that was like a yeah, long tangent, the, but think about it in the right way too, right? Like the traditional workers party uses the phrase, it's okay to be white as a recruitment tool for being Nazis. We framing whiteness into being an anti-racist activist is a, obviously on the opposite end of the spectrum. And so mm-hmm. coming to terms with your dominant identities is a difficult, like relatively difficult process. Recognizing the power that you have to create positive change is a good aspect of having dominant identities. Mm-hmm. I think that structures like patriarchy and white supremacy ultimately hurt men and white people. And it does take a while to get to that point of realizing, holy crap, the things that I've been stripped away with as a man and the things that you have been stripped away because of being born white into the United States are very real, tangible things. I usually talk about my process through therapy and men in the movement as this like humanity reclamation projects. We have to relearn and teach ourselves how to be empathetic, not just for other people, but to ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And once we start going down that path, once we start realizing, holy crap, these things that we were told are feminine and therefore we shouldn't do that, like crying, is stuff that is essential to self-love and feeling whole. Mm -hmm. And once you go down that path, then it becomes really, really difficult to be like, these are masculine traits and these are feminine traits. You start to realize that they're just things that everyone should be a part of and have and practice. And that's where we get to this phase of disidentification, where ultimately we're going, we're trying to move to a place where this concept of male and female and man and woman don't even exist because it's understood that it's made up. The whole thing is made up. Yeah. From colonialism. Well, I mean, colonial, we might have to have a whole podcast about colonization. Colonization. Yeah, colonization is like an entire university class you could take and still not fully understand that every thought that we've ever had as like ever has been colonized. Right. Uh, So anyway, we might get there. Yeah. Look it up. Google it. (laughs) Educate yourself. Educate yourself. And thanks for listening. Keep listening. So we have a guest with us today. We have Jacob in the studio. Jacob, do you want to say hi to the peoples? Hi, peoples. How's it going? Awesome. Thank you so much. So yeah, he'll be kind of helping us with wrapping up this conversation about what it means to be a good man. So Jacob, if you don't mind me asking, can you name some of your salient identities, meaning the like the identities that are really important to you? Yeah, I think for me, it's just important to say that I pretty much have all of the dominant identities in this culture, white, man, cis, hetero, et cetera. Yeah. Awesome. So after listening to this podcast, um, what were your general reactions to it? Well, for me, I, in general, a lot, I'm kind of an optimistic person in some ways where, you know, I'll, I'll kind of see the best in a situation or a person or a question. So for me, kind of the first thought was like, okay, I think that there are some kind of good things to being a man, if you want to say it that way. And it was interesting, both of you obviously kind of were immediately like, uh, I think this is kind of a bad question. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I get an uneasy feeling from this, yeah. um, which I also felt for me, the first thing was like, yeah, I think there are some advantages 
to being a man. And of course, that comes at the expense of everyone else, because for it to be, you know, like Carl was saying, it's easier in some ways to enter into social justice issues and do kind of work like that. I think that means that it's harder for other people. So I think that's kind of the the bad aspect of, you know, anytime that we say, oh, it's good for us, it's good for me to be a man, or it's nice that I'm white. That's not inherently a bad thing, but it just means, oh, for everybody else who's not a man or for everybody who's not white, the playing field is uneven, which is the bad part. But I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that being said, there are, um, I was thinking, okay, there are some kind of, I think for, you know, for somebody listening or even for myself, maybe for myself a year, two years ago or something, it is nice to hear certain things about being a man that make it, at least in social justice work, I think that make it easier or in some ways more effective to be a man. You mentioned the being more influential when when a man is talking. I think it has inherently greater weight, which again, you know, I think on an individual level, it's nice. And then on a societal level, it's like, oh, you know, we're making this an even playing field anyway. But um, it's good to distinguish between the individual level impacts and the systemic level impacts. Right. And the way we use it as men is a responsibility that we have to shoulder in social justice spaces. And so we can frame it as what's good about being a dude is you have more of a voice in gender conversations in specific spaces. um, And that comes with a responsibility. Right. And I think in a way it's yeah, I think I think I definitely have felt that responsibility before. I think the more it, in a way, at least for me, the the way it feels to me is like the more dominant identities I hold, like I just said, I kind of have most of them. And I think the more of that that I exhibit, the more responsibility that comes with it to, you know, do what I can to to do good, create social justice. Yeah, yeah. to do good. But I think for somebody just kind of starting out, it's like, oh, I think we, you know, as a man, it's easy. What I was thinking about it as some, I think for some people, and this, this is not like a rule. I think, um, a lot of people don't feel this way at all, but in general, a lot of non-men and non-white people, if they're trying to get started with social justice work, it's not even like that. It's not even like they're getting started because this has been so eminent for them their whole lives, probably, you know, again, probably, but I think in a lot of ways, you know, somebody trying to do work in this way is like already kind of so tired of, of the um, systems that are in place for a man. If you're just, you know, especially a white man, especially somebody who hasn't really been the victim of any, of anything like this (laughs) (laughs) in your life. I mean, that's the way I feel. I don't think I've ever really been the victim of some stuff like this. And that makes it kind of easy to get into this and be like, okay, like, you know, this is another thing to do in a way, a very important thing, you know, a different thing than just, you know, going to college or doing other things that you do. But I think uh, framing it in a way of saying that this is just another thing for me to do is actually a really good one. Whereas marginalized people and people who are oppressed, like it's, it's rides on our lives, right? It's our livelihood in a sense. And so I think that's a really good way to frame the, the privilege that comes with having dominant identities and social justice work. It's really a choice. There's a lot of power in that too, of committing to it. It's, it's not easy, you know? So I think being able to hold that in your brain is really cool. Yeah. So you talked about responsibility and then we kind of link this to the choice of doing this work. Are there times that you feel like you really need to be humble? And also are there times where you felt like you've been praised for something that you hardly have done? Yeah, I think as, um, as a man. Yeah, I think that always that always kind of comes to play anytime. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure this has been said probably in this podcast before, but Anytime that a man or probably, again, the more dominant identities that you hold, 
the more kind of that it seems like you're doing to, you know, reach across. The, I mean, I don't want to phrase it in, you know, this the way that you said it before of like helping people. Savior. To be, yeah, savior mentality. I don't want to phrase it in a, in a savior mentality kind of way, but the further that you have to go kind of to reach somebody who has been a victim, um, I think the more that you're kind of going to be held in this great esteem for doing this work because mm. it affects people who are in these subjugated identities. It affects them more and affects them more directly. And the less that you are directly affected by it, the more that you are kind of just being empathetic and doing this for other people. Cause I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I'm not doing any of this work for myself because if I only had my best interest in mind, I would not be doing any of this work. I'd probably trying to be trying to make it more the way it is because <laughs> right. I'm the one benefiting from all of this. So I think for me to have all of the dominant identities and it's more just like I'm helping other people. And I don't think I mean, you could phrase that, you could frame that in a positive way or kind of just like, wow, this is, <laughs> so I guess if we're trying to be positive on this particular <laughs> podcast, then I think that's, you know, maybe a good thing that we're, go. uh, that we're yeah. being, that we're being, it's, it's, you know, more motivation to keep going if, if it's feeling like, but I mean, it is true that we have to, we have to also acknowledge that that's kind of a thing that we're being held in such a great esteem for doing kind of you know work that basic really humanity work yeah yeah because yeah. i'm thinking about like the times i've been praised i've been just given a high five for yeah. just being myself and being existing and not doing anything yeah. like literally nothing and i think i remember yesterday i was just tabling for the center for wjac and a person i perceived to be a woman came up and said can i give you a high five and i was just like you can sure <laughs> like i was just so like yeah off by it and she was like thank you so much She's like for what yeah. <laughs> like, and it was just, there was that moment of like, okay, yes, the praise is nice, but then boom, like that, I can't take that to my head. And yeah. I literally just sitting there trying to promote <laughs> something and no one was coming up and I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. So therefore, like, I wasn't really doing that much work. I know. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, it might even be the, I mean, there are things that are more, that are doing more good work. And then there are things that are more visible and more obvious that you are doing something. Right. And those things don't always necessarily correlate the exact same way. Like you could, you know, like you said, you're doing something, you're not really even doing anything, but you know, people are walking past you and you're seeing them. And to that end, people are coming up to you and high-fiving you. And I think that was out the thing that you just said, I was thinking too, where it's kind of the, the first reaction is like, all right, great. Like, I'm glad that I'm being validated for doing this stuff. But then I feel like the next thought kind of has to be like, okay, but why are they, why are they really, you know, what, what is really to be praised about me? What are, what have I really done? Right. And, why not everyone else too? Yeah. Right. Everyone else who organized it and stuff. Right. Who exactly. are predominantly women. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's probably a big thing too. We have to remember, even, Word. even if we are starting to think that our things are good, that we have to remember that it's not always, and there's some, you know, kind of negative aspects to everything. Every good thing that you're thinking comes with a negative thing, I think. Yeah. Okay. General. And that's kind of, and that's why it's like, oh, it's great. You know, it's nice to have a podcast about all positivity, but really this work is inherently negative. And to be talking about something positive is probably going to be to ignore something negative that's happening. And if you're ignoring something negative that's happening, then that's, you know, that's not a good situation. So mm -hmm. for sure, for sure. Part of the podcast philosophy is to sort of expand this definition of masculinity. So we were hoping, Jacob, that you can sort of talk about your journey through masculinity up to this point. Yeah, of course. Um, for me, I've never really felt extremely 
masculine. I, I didn't, I don't think I went through it. As, I think a lot of people did a period of, you know, feeling really masculine, feeling really, you know, being taught all of these really masculine ideas and then evening out. I don't think I really went through that. I think more like I've always just kind of been neutral, like, oh, I'm existing. And as I know now, probably by doing nothing, kind of perpetrating these <laughs> ideas of not making it better. So therefore kind of making it worse. But at a certain point, I think I I did start to think about all of these issues. And I don't think there was ever, you know, a, an aha moment, just kind of a gradual leaning towards being a certain way, I guess, of, you know, wanting to do social justice work. And then the more I got involved with stuff, the more I talked about it with other people, the more it helped me to do that even more, you know, it kind of spiraled upward for me. And the more thinking about these kind of issues of having these dominant identities and what am I, you know, what am I doing on this earth to, (laughs) um, to justify the, just justify everything, justify our society. I think it kind of made me more, um, yeah, just feel like I feel like this responsibility to do social justice work and to be involved and to just help other people, which, you know, is kind of one of those things. It's like, oh, I'm just out here helping other people. I just want to, but um, yeah, but yeah, then <laughs> but yeah. I think, then I think like, okay, it's, it's more than that. It's not just yeah, like, exactly. oh, I'm, first of all, yeah, I'm not trying to be like a savior. Oh, I'm trying to help other people. I'm, you know, doing these things that they couldn't do themselves, but also I'm not trying to do, it's not that basic and it's not that easy it's more serious than that because it's people's lives at stake for sure um were there any people in your life in your life that had like impact on you with this work whether that was negative or positive um i don't think i've had any negative impacts for myself like i said or i don't know if i said but i've always been pretty privileged i mean really and not even really had people, you know, trying to hold me back from doing any of this stuff. I don't think anybody that I've told like, oh, I'm in Men of the Movement or, oh, I'm doing social justice work. Nobody's even really had a negative reaction to that. And been like, oh, like, what are you doing? Yeah, I have had a lot of positive impacts. You know, I could cite my parents for sure. Um, I think they had good influences in raising me. They didn't tell me, you know, they didn't um, directly introduce these ideas to me. They, they for sure support all of it and do some of it themselves. But I think that my partner probably had the most impact, especially in terms of social justice, because mm. um, she was doing this stuff way before I was part of it, you know, being directly impacted a lot more as a woman and um, having it be more personal, but also possibly just being a better person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but for sure, um, she introduced me to all of this idea, all these ideas, and she's probably the best you know, the biggest influence, you know, correcting me, telling me like, oh, that's, you know, what you're doing right now is having these impacts, which I for sure don't always think about. So that's been so helpful, so huge for me. And I've been so lucky to have that influence and all the influences really that I've had. I mean, I could say that I'm lucky for a lot, a lot of things in my life. And yeah, that's why I want to be here. For sure. Giving awesome. it back in, in, in any way that I can. <laughs> Shout out to Jacob's partner. <laughs> way to do the work. Sure. <laughs> um, way to believe in Jacob. <laughs> I mean, we believe in Jacob too. Yeah. So. so you have a star of David hanging from your necklace. Can I assume that you're Jewish? Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about the impact sort of this religious identity has on your perception of masculinity and how it's shifted. And are there anything that conflicts with the way Jewish men show up with the way you want them to show up or the way you show up? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I've thought about this a little bit before, but this also probably will be somewhat, you know, thinking about these things for the first time. But 
It's true that I'm wearing a Star of David necklace, and it's true that I have that as a pretty significant identity. I didn't mention it in this context, um, partially because I don't, you know, I really don't want to make it about myself, and I because this is not again for myself. We're asking I'm you not, about yourself, so it's okay. All right, to right talk now, about so yeah, right now, I'll, I'll say yes. We're I interviewing you. That is uh, that is an important part of my identity, um, and yeah, I think it is interesting looking at the different kind of two different cultures um, that I'm part of that. I don't know, in in a way, I think men in the movement is, you know, traditional social justice work. I don't know what I was going to say about that, but then my Jewish identity and that space there, it's, um, it's interesting because it's not a really subject, um, is that right? Subjugated identity. It works. It's not like being a woman or being a, it's, it's just different. It's just very different because I think historically, I know we know a lot of persecution has come to the Jewish people. But I think in my life, in my day and age, in my kind of direct culture and group, perhaps the Jewish group here, and I don't want to speak for all of them, but I think in general, we today here are not so much subjugated the way that some identities are. And what's that about? Because I, so I've heard a lot of stories of Jewish men in particular who are like Jewish, 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 and then forget that you're actually white passing and a dude in this country. Do you struggle at all, like reaching across that of, hey, man, you interrupt literally every woman that ever talks. And then he responds with like, well, Jewish people deserve to speak all the time. Do you ever encounter that? And what is that like for you? That's tough. Yeah, I I don't know if I really I, I, I don't think I've ever really had an experience like that, like that um, blatant, blatant. Yeah. But yeah, there is. And it's almost worse if it's a little bit more like under the surface. Nobody's really talking about it because I think we do have that idea, especially as Jewish people. I think it depends a lot on your individual background and where you came from and what you, you know, some more of the ethnic or Mm. historical or especially like familial backgrounds that you might have that it might complicate that issue a little bit because, yeah, you might be in this feeling of like my people have been discriminated against by so many groups throughout history and you might even know grandfather that has been through the Holocaust, people that have been persecuted. I mean, that stuff happens today. I don't think at CSU so much, especially as much as it does, you know, in certain places in the world. And so, you know, in a way it's impossible to be like, okay, I, you know, you, you, you don't have room to talk, but it is true that, you know, if you're, I don't know, it's tough. It's It's tough. If you, uh, (laughs) I think if you're, I, I can definitely speak for myself. I think I've never had that direct of a impact, that direct of, you know, something happening to me or happening to somebody that I know or love. You know, I don't know somebody directly that's been through the Holocaust or that's been, you know, kind of like that. So you've never faced like personal acts of anti-Semitism? No, not yeah. really. And I know people that have, but again, it's like, what effect is that versus, you know, somebody who I could say I know people that have had stuff shouted at them on the street once or a couple times. And I probably know people that have direct, you know, maybe I'm a secondary connection with somebody who's really directly, strongly persecuted in some way or another. Mm -hmm. But for myself, it's like, I don't feel like I can use that as a point of saying, oh, poor me in some way. Oh, and what I was going to say about them is even somebody who has had stuff happen to them directly or somebody that they know directly, I think it's even probably, not definitely, but probably 
a lot less than somebody who is a different identity. Like, like you said, somebody not white passing, somebody not male, um, that maybe encounters in their personal life encounters these issues and is a victim of this system every day or in kind of in a much greater way. And again, it's tough, but I think even for somebody who deals with these issues or has in the past or has had things happen to them, I think, yes, you can say that and you can hold that as part of your identity, as part of yourself, and you can speak out about that. But I think it is important to recognize that it is kind of it is kind of relative right. in a way. Depends I mean, on where you grow up. I also think it's really difficult for marginalized groups to admit when progress has happened. I <sighs> I imagine the Nazi symbolism on campus recently has also heightened a sense of Jewishness for the Jewish community here. And so thinking about the very new, well, I don't know if it's a new threat, actually. It's probably a very old underlying threat to Jewish people. I also don't like giving Nazis the credit of being able to identify a Jewish person from across the plaza. (laughs) And I think, well, okay, I would say that I've experienced anti-Semitism because my dad's Italian and Christian. My mom's Jewish. And so I, I remember having like these family dinners, whether it was a Jewish holiday or whatever. And my family members would almost seem like they kind of equate this Jewish identity and this subordinate feeling this level of subordination to like people of color. And so I think it's in my experience, not the experience of all Jewish folks, but I think they get that and then they can immediately feel they can interrupt women. They, They can basically kind of play this power card so then they can feel like they empower themselves. And I even witnessed my mom being interrupted multiple times in in an actual uh, synagogue, which was fascinating in itself. And I joined an all Jewish boys group near my high school. Um, And so there's that distinction and almost ways of like what a Jewish man looks like is so interesting to me. Um, and why it's hard for me to sometimes connect with that religion. Yeah. Because yes, like I remember even asked, like, did you have a bar mitzvah? Like my brother and I said, no. And we're looked at like these like super bad people yeah. look like we burned someone alive. <laughs> like it was that bad. And by a certain, a certain other group is looking at you like that. Right. Yeah. But like within the community, you're right. Like, you're right. not a good right. Jew. <laughs> it's like, okay, wow. But then like that, I think there's a privilege of me having that flexibility of not being a part of that community yeah as well and being like oh if i if i'm not the good jew it doesn't matter right Right. and i yeah i feel like a few things come up for that i mean the the thing that comes to mind is a friend in elementary school a non-jewish friend saying oh like you know we're innocent kids like oh if there's another holocaust that would be so awful for you and um i i feel so bad for you in this kind of way and you know if something like that happened in this country like that would suck like you would probably die or something um anyway my reaction to the hair. <laughs> yeah, Jesus glad you had a friend. There. We're uh, we're six years old in this scenario. So anyway, <laughs> but um, but the my reaction to that, and kind of for a long time, and it's still probably true, is I don't know if I definitely would, but if a Holocaust happened in the United States and I was being recruited for, you know, if I I was being asked if I was Jewish, I could just say no. I could just say, oh no, I'm uh, I'm Christian. All my friends are Christian. 
I don't know any Jews. Um, and obviously if, you know, if there's some sort of apartheid or slavery kind of situation, I mean, yeah, this is kind of arguably a weird the industrial, but, industrial complex is that, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, the point is that, um, a black person or a woman or, you know, somebody like that, who's not just white, straight male passing can't do that. Can't right. just take off their identity. I mean, I could literally take off this Jewish star and also the shirt that I'm wearing coincidentally. Um, <laughs> But I could take that off and be and be unidentifiable as a Jew. Right. Probably. <laughs> there are I mean, there are even Jews that you kind of talk to them and you're like, oh, I know I can tell that you're a Jew by the way that you look or by the, by the way that your voice sounds. I don't know if I fit into that. I don't think 100 percent. It kind of reminds me of the appropriation conversation where a certain identity can't just take off their identity can't mm-hmm. just you know it's it's a huge huge important thing to them and i think even for instance the rabbi of northern colorado he could take off all of his clothes he could shave his beard and he could probably be non-jewish passing but i don't think he would and i don't think he even really has that privilege to do that because the religion is so important to him i mean he's orthodox and i just am so sure would never do that and could never do that again even i think within this conversation even with even within Jewish people, there's different levels of it. Mm, for sure. And the other thing that I was thinking about, I think probably your original question was probably like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> and something that Jake brought up a little bit too is about men versus women in Judaism, because that always exists. Even if, mm. you know, even if most of us are white from kind of similar backgrounds, probably there's a lot of interactions between men and women. And historically, I think religion is a sexist thing and even gives credibility to sexism and to men being dominant over women, you know, from kind of creation stories of, oh, Adam was, you know, in, in some way, you know, a lot of historical religious figures, like I said, kind of give this credibility, a way of this happening of sexism continuing to be at play. I think that we definitely still see that today. And I think there are situations where I've been told before, okay, like this seems like a sexist thing, but it's not in religion, in uh, Judaism. Huh. There's a, I don't want to, I don't want to like Sorry. go through and vilify different like Jewish, really important. And that's why, again, it's so complicated and so tough because you're, you know, maybe trying to talk about these social justice, sexism kind of issues, but you're hitting up against this religion thing that is so, so, so important. It's 4,000 year old religion. So old and so such a part of a lot of people's identity. I want it to be part of my identity too, but I also don't want to associate too strongly with some of the negative aspects of it. And I also want to, I I mean, it is nice to have the kind of passing privilege of not always being wearing a yarmulke. So I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of been treading that kind of walking on that for the past couple of years. What I was especially going to say about the religious and the men versus women thing. I mean, there's an idea that I think most people, even Jewish people don't know about of the mikvah, which is a religious ceremonial bath. And it's a very gendered thing or a thing that men and women interact with differently. And um, the tradition holds that women are supposed to do it, you know, go through this bath every time that they go through menstruation. In addition to the economic burden, it's extremely expensive just to do it once. It's also kind of, I think, reinforcing these ideas. And that um, menstruation is dirty. And yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, in, I mean, just broadly that men are better in some way than women. And I think it's just, yeah, it's just kind of reinforcing those ideas. Interesting. What I was going to say was that when I visited the mikvah, I was told, I was explained to that 
oh, this is not a sexist thing. We're not viewing menstruation as dirty. We're just saying <laughs> it's different and not bad. Huh. And, you know, so it's... That'd be I interesting mean, to explore. I know, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I have thought about it a lot. Because so. it could be like an empowering process or like um, a deeper valuing of like transitioning into womenhood, potentially. Like, I think there's a lot of cool potential things that could come out of that for sure. Yeah, yeah potentially, yes. And I think, <laughs> no, I mean... Yeah. And it's it's interesting too, looking at like kind of old world versus new world, because I have very little doubt that this at least started out as a sexist thing of you know men exerting their dominance over women in some way. For sure. Um, and for it to be reframed today, not extremely strongly reframed. It's not like you know we're putting it on the bulletin. You know, it's not right. like we're making a sign outside that says, "Oh, this is the reasons why." You know, it's not. There's not that much work being done to make it a to, to critically reframe. examine it through the lens of social justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that conversation is very. Interesting. <laughs> Sweet. There's also interactions between men and women in kind of an orthodox setting. I mean, there are certain services that men and women are supposed to be separated and men stand on one or sit on one side and then there's a barrier and then the women are on the other side and they can both see the the rabbi, the, you know, the people in charge of the proceedings, but they can't really see each other is the way it's supposed to be in certain cultures. Huh. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of there are a lot of weird interactions with the religion thing and the sexism thing, the men and women thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just created a podcast. <laughs> I think we did. Um, I also want to point out that I think within the Jewish community, at least in my experience, is that there is a lot of patriarchal it permeates a lot of patriarchy and white supremacy, even though they might not say that in the ways of like passing as white and kind of having some ways of saying that they're oppressed, um, which in, there's, I'm not going to say they're not oppressed, but I'm right. not also saying yeah, it's, like it's there's tough. This, this weird balance, I think. But yeah. yeah and the, the fact that even when they're both in the same room, like as men and women, the women have to be silent or yeah, in the back. Right. Yeah. So that's fascinating. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Even if you could justify it, it's definitely rooted in sexist things. So how do we mm. navigate these things that, oh, we're saying, oh, that's not a bad thing. That's just a thing. But it definitely comes from a bad, I mean, you know, yep. yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. We know we're more than just our masculinities. So you mind us asking you a couple rapid fire questions? Yeah, absolutely. Dope. Morning, noon or night? I'm going to go with night. Okay. Um, that's just my immediate reaction because I'm definitely a night owl. I don't love waking up in the morning. Oh, whoops. 10 a.m. <laughs> I had to, you do or don't? I don't. I, don't. I'm the same way. Yeah. I have 9 a.m.s every day this semester, so... That's, um, that blows tough. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not ideal. Favorite meal of the day. Hmm. That's, that's kind of similar. I feel. Um, because <laughs> not breakfast, midnight snack, it's not breakfast, exactly. <laughs> I love have to breakfast, go with, though. It's like there's I have three options again, and I'm gonna choose the later one again. I'm gonna go with dinner, nice. um, and I think it's kind of the I don't know for me, it's like usually the most fun and relaxing meal. I might, I might say, I, I like lunch because these days I kind of will come home from classes and you know have a little time to relax by making food and eating food. Food is actually another pretty important part of my identity, um, especially as a nutrition major. Not oh, just okay. not oh, just nice. saying like, oh, I really like food, but also like I am studying it in a way. So anyway. Um, that's awesome. But What would be your favorite dinner food then? Um... I don't know. That's tough. I uh, I don't have an immediate answer for my for my favorite food of any sort. I think I've always really liked pasta, though. So I'll go with that one. Nice. Gold or silver? Um. <laughs> this is rapid fire, Jacob. Oh, right. Um, silver. <laughs> okay. I think uh, I've heard, I've heard a lot about gold being 
kind of a f***ed up thing. <laughs> and I haven't heard about Silver being a, you know, because I think, much, yeah. you know, they're gonna. <laughs> gotcha. Favorite movie? Um, my favorite movie is Arrival, starring Amy Adams. It's from Colorado, represent. Um, but any, but it was a really, it was a really cool movie. It made me think a lot, and I like that. It was kind of a philosophical, weird kind of cool thing, and also sci-fi. I'm into all that kind of thing. So, so what makes you nervous? Oh, a lot of things. Uh, being on radio shows makes me really nervous. <laughs> I mean, I definitely was nervous coming here, but that's okay. Um, yeah, it, I think it helped me. There you go. It's it fueled me into you know being because you care a little. Yeah, I don't know, but at the same time, I'm not nervous. From um, I don't have like a fear of public speaking. I don't have a fear of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think just. <laughs> Kind of going off the last question, thinking about life kind of makes me nervous sometimes. <laughs> all right. Thinking that's about fine. all the different things. That's n- nervous is not any at all the right word to describe it, but I mean, that's yeah, the only that's one cool. I got. So cool. Uh, coffee? Whoa. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. Next. If you were to have a skill, what would it be like that you don't already have? Again, there's a lot of options I could choose. Yeah, it could be here. realistic or unrealistic. Um, I think a realistic skill, I feel like Carl said something about a musical instrument. So I'll go with a language. Is that a skill? Absolutely. Yeah, it's speak, definitely a skill. Being able to speak different languages. I mean, even like the skill of being able to speak different languages, like plural, like a lot, that would be, that's, yep. I don't know if it's my dream because it's not like, oh, something that I hope one day happens because it's, you know, I could just do it. But I mean, yeah, saying it would probably make it more likely to for me to do it. So gotcha. I'm learning Spanish and I, I would like to be fluent in Spanish, but also would be really cool to be fluent in a lot of languages and to be able to talk to anyone or listen to, you know, hear anybody who has a different language to be able to speak. And I think that's actually like probably the most one of a very important skill in, you know, dealing with other cultures and being able to see things from other people's perspective is, you know, to be able to talk to them and like be in their space and to be able to talk to them. For sure. Would you rather get your nose pierced or your tongue pierced? Definitely nose. I feel like <laughs> okay. I feel like it would be less pain. I don't have anything pierced and I've never had a piercing, but I feel like it would be less painful <laughs> to get my nose pierced and also probably more socially acceptable. Or at least not necessarily, but I think for me it would be more of what I would want to look like. Gotcha. That'd be dope to get tongue piercing though, because then you just be like, haha, oppressors. <laughs> <laughs> Stick the tongue out. Yeah. I'm glad you did a visual joke on a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> For y'all listening out there, nope, I just put we're my not, tongue nope, out. Nope. Nope. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Jacob, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks and for having me. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you for sharing your thanks knowledge for doing this podcast. your feelings and your experiences with us. We de- deeply appreciate you ha- yeah, you being here. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you. That will do it for this episode of Do You Even Live, Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for our podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Huge shout out to the partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at Colorado State University. These are the folks that even allow us to do this podcasting. For more content about masculinities, check out meninthemovement.blogspot.com. And for more information about the WGAC, 
go to wjc.colostate.edu. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Music production by Xavier Hadley, a.k.a. Zavley. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-V-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Thanks for listening, everyone. Deuces. Summers, I'd wake up at like <laughs> two. An embarrassing time. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, I take care of myself. You Carl. do you, bro. Okay. Yeah. That's self care. <laughs> self care is waking up at two p.m. on the summer. No, it was like one p.m. Okay. <laughs> no, I definitely agree. Next question. <laughs>